welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the 200th episode of the School of Last Podcast. Hey, Rick Roberts here, excited today to kind of reflect upon the first 200 episodes of this here podcast and what it's meant to me, what it's meant to some of our listeners, and how some of our guests on the show, as well as former students, have taken the reins and gotten better and pursued things and had accomplishments all through the podcast. Not, I would say, due to the podcast, but as part of the podcast uh, team, one way or the other, as a guest or as a student or uh, as an editor, any of those things. Lots of stuff to talk about today. You know, it's been an amazing journey to do 200 episodes. I really can't believe 200. You know, I was thinking at one point at 50 that I was going to stop, and then like at 100 I was going to stop, and then 150, and then who knew? You know, there's a lot of different times I thought, you know what, I was going to probably stop and move on to something else. Uh, mainly because the time it takes to do the podcast was preventing me from doing some other projects that always seem to be circling back to the to-do list or to the New Year's resolution list year after year. And I realized, oh man, it's going to be hard to do some of those things and continue with the podcast. All that said, having Doc Kennedy come on board recently as the editor for the shows has been a huge help and really the only reason I'm able to continue with the podcast. So if you know Doc, shoot him a thanks for helping out. And in reality, I would have never even gotten the ball rolling without our first editor, Gavin Miller. Gavin helped me and showed me the ropes as far as mic technique and how to interview and what tools to use and all these kinds of things. And was uh, the editor for uh, many of the first episodes, perhaps the first hundred. And uh, he is now uh, moved out of state. He's in Arkansas. I get questions from time to time about what Gavin's up to. He's in Arkansas. He's got a wonderful wife, two sweet, adorable kids. They're just, uh, they're just a great-looking little family there. And he's he's doing what he's doing. Not doing comedy right now, but uh, he was in there at the beginning, and that was kind of fun to walk with him through the journey of what he was up to. So uh, Gavin's doing great. Uh, helped us get rolling with the old editing, and and as a co-host for many episodes. And now Doc Kennedy has helped out as well. So super thankful for both of those guys for helping me along the way to kind of get this thing going. So what are we going to talk about today? Man, 200 episodes in, there's a lot we can talk about. And I kind of like to walk through the process from a few different angles because we cover a lot on this podcast. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, I think, is... uh, And what kept me going, even when things got a little bit tough or I was bogged down or traveling was crazy and I was, you know, staying up in the airport Wi-Fi trying to upload episodes at the last second. What really kept me going was thinking about all the success that former guests were having. After I spoke to them, they would go on and do some of these things that they mentioned they wanted to do and maybe even have success in areas that they hadn't thought about before. Sometimes there were connections between a guest I had, I would get an email from somebody saying, could you pass my info along to that person? Because I would like to get to know them. And I know many friendships have happened because of the podcast as well. And then, you know, former students that have taken the online class, uh, they heard about it through the podcast, got in there, got going. Uh, they had some success. And really, those things kept me going and still do 
for doing the podcast, just seeing other people's success. I learn along the way, of course, but just seeing what they've done and how they continue to, to blow my mind and blow their own mind probably is a lot of fun. So I know I'm going to risk leaving people out. I can't mention every single person that was on every single episode of these 200, and I'll inadvertently do that today, but it's, it's definitely not on purpose, and I, I'm thankful for all of those. But I wanted to kind of run down a bunch of the shows for both old and new listeners to let you know what we've tackled here on the show, because I'm pretty sure just by looking at the show titles, uh, if somebody's logging on or finding about us for the first time now, they may not know exactly what we covered in some of these episodes, so I kind of want to walk through it in uh, a few different categories. But first category really is, is about former students, and when I see their success, how cool that is. And one of the first guys to think of is Brian Bates, who took the class uh, years ago with a couple, maybe I think there was 12 in the class that he took, live class here in Nashville. And he didn't even intend on pursuing stand-up comedy. Had a great job with the News Channel 5 here in Nashville, but he was kind of curious how writing comedy worked and got in there. And then after the writing class, he, he talked to a few of the others. There was two Brian's other than him in that class, and they all decided, let's let's take the performance class, see what happens. And even at that point, I don't think they were considering pursuing it. But after they took the performance class, had a graduation show that kind of got into it, and literally I went to see Brian from before he even wrote a joke to performing his three-minute set for the graduation show to now where he's released a CD, he's taped a dry bar special, and he's headlined Zanies many times, and he just keeps getting better, stronger as a writer, stronger as a performer. A lot of the recent shows I've seen him at, he's pretty much stolen the show with just his material alone, but also the way he delivers it. And, you know, he's gotten some some good breaks along the way. He gets to open for some uh, Nashville comics on the road. Uh, Nate Bragazzi, one of those who we'll mention again in a little bit. But he's getting stage time, and it's well-deserved. He's in front of uh, theater audiences in a lot of situations, and I'm sure that's got to feel good on stage for Brian. But it feels good for me as uh, one of the guys who helped him along the way at the beginning, and he just he took it from there and ran with it. I can honestly say he's done 99.9% uh, .9 of the work, but the uh, classes and stuff were just the way that I met him, uh, along with another guy, Johnny W. You've heard both of these guys on the podcast many times because we, we kind of hang a little bit here in Nashville. But Johnny had been doing some shows before I met him, and his wife, I believe, got him uh, the comedy classes, and um, I met him early on. He already had great jokes going. And then pretty quickly, I saw that he was uh, getting some good opportunities as well, uh, opening for Tim Hawkins on the road, and that kind of helped him get along a little bit quicker. He recorded a DVD here in Nashville and was kind enough to throw me on the front end of that or the back end of it. I guess I warmed it up the audience for him, but then I was on the back end as a uh, bonus feature on his DVD. But these two guys I saw, you know, pretty early on, maybe they had 10 or 15 minutes uh, in the first part when I met Johnny W. And then boom, all of a sudden he's everywhere. And that's what fires me up is when I see good people doing good work and getting good opportunities. And it even goes for people who I had never met face-to-face, uh, -face, but who had taken some of the classes. Grace Klein, she was just on episode 198. She's out there in the West Coast, and she took the online class, uh, had never done stand-up before. She'd done a little bit of improv. And then the next thing I know, I look up, and she's doing shows across the country with some of my other friends, like uh, Brian and Mike James, Brian Kahatsu and Mike James out there in Arizona. And, you know, they connected through the podcast and through the Christian Comedy Association. So all these little relationships start to form. And I just I feel cool being a conduit in some way 
uh, for those people on their journey. Again, they're doing all the work, but it was kind of neat that they did a little pit stop, little side stop here at the School of Last podcast along their journey. Uh, other people I think of in, this, in the same way, you know, uh, Ed Wiley. Ed Wiley called me one day, I believe it was New Year's Day. So he probably had a, a little New Year's resolution on his list to get into comedy. And I was sitting there, I remember it was January 1st, and I'm such a nerd and such a, uh, a guy who wants to get stuff done. I was sitting in my office getting all my tax information together, all my receipts, and I was going through all that stuff, and I was just praying for a phone call or some kind of interruption, and boom, there's Ed Wiley. And we talked about what it was like to to go into comedy. You know, he was married, had many kids, many more goats, and he just wondered how all that would work, and he started off with the online class, and before I know it, he's out there doing his thing and performing across the country. And I also had a couple of viral videos, uh, viral on Facebook, and that kind of got him a bigger audience pretty quick, and it was really cool to see. Rhonda Corey, another uh, guest that I've had on podcast, and she was an online class student. And I look up a few years later, and she wins the Clean Comedy Challenge, going against other clean comics in a battle royale, and that was exciting for me to see, you know? Uh, all kinds of, of former student success. Uh, they weren't haven't all been on the podcast. I don't have time to mention everybody. But this is about learning. And when I see people learn and put stuff into action, taking action, that's the biggest joy for me in a lot of ways. So those are some of the first uh, students that I kind of noticed were doing some things out there pretty cool. And then, you know, guests, people maybe haven't taken a class, but they were guests and I saw their progress. And I started realizing, even though I knew it, it was cool to see in other people how comedy can serve others beyond ourselves. And also how comedy can kind of be used to overcome adversity. I had Jeff Allen on the podcast a while back, and he was talking about how, you know, he was an alcoholic and he was in the clubs and then he still wanted to perform comedy, uh, but he gave up alcohol. And he talked about that, that battle. And that is a battle. K. Dodd. Aaron Sorrells, they both use comedy to fight addiction and shine light for other people to uh, get out of the hole they're in. So I see comics using humor as a way to not only overcome adversity, but to you know facilitate healing, which is really cool. Derek Tennant on an episode talked about going from being in a coma to all of a sudden having a little bit of a challenge with his body. You know, his left side doesn't work as good as it used to, to put it lightly. And he's got a whole new program. He's got comedy all about looking on the right side of life and and doing things that he can, not focusing on stuff that he can't do. Uh, Jason Michaels, a magician who uses comedy, uh, uses comedy and magic to overcome Tourette syndrome. In fact, because he had Tourette's, a lot of people didn't think he could do things like that. But his ability to focus while he's performing and and really laser focus what he's doing has enabled him to you know accomplish many things. The impossible, as he puts it in his book, Overcoming the Impossible. My friend Bill Foley, who I first met performing at the Funny Bone in Columbus, Ohio. He would be out in the lobby or the holding area, I guess you would call the restaurant area, playing guitar and just killing it, just crushing it on the guitar and singing. Uh, not a comedian, but he's around. And then I suddenly hear that he was stabbed. He There was a, a guy came in with a machete to a restaurant he was performing at, and Bill got in between him and other people that would have been attacked and saved their lives during a knife attack. You know, He brought a guitar to a knife attack and won, uh, was injured, but was able to get back, had some great physical therapy, uh, 
people, nurses and doctors at a hospital that helped him get his finger strength back, and now he's still playing. And that just proves to me, as he says, that love always wins. That's the power of like performing and and giving of yourself. It's it's amazing. And he goes into it in his episode on the podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, certainly dial him up. Bill Foley, Love Always Wins, and learn about that. Pretty amazing. You know, the other guests that have found ways to use comedy for a purpose bigger than their own career. Uh, Sean Reynolds was on early, one of actually one of my early podcast listeners in Lexington, Kentucky. I remember one of the first gigs I did after I launched the podcast, him and a couple other guys were at the comedy club. And like, man, we listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, there's the six people here that are my listeners at that point. And, and he said, you know, I'm doing comedy, but I've got a full-time job just trying to figure it all out. But now a few years in, you know, I think he's got six kids one way or the other, but he's able to perform comedy and that's his full-time calling. Now he travels the country performing as part of Compassion International, where they find sponsors for children who need assistance across the globe. And that's big. That's just not comedy for a chuckle. That's comedy for compassion. That's comedy to help people live. How cool is that? You can learn all about him on his episodes. Um, And I'll have all these in the show notes. You can just click a link and go to any of these that may catch your ear here as we're talking. You know, Comedian Nazareth, a friend out there in California, puts on arena shows as crusades to help lead people to Jesus. How, How cool is that? That's much bigger than yourself. Arenas full of people who love comedy and come to love the Lord. Love it. Scott Long, my buddy up in Indianapolis, gave us killer insight on becoming a local presence and producing your own shows for fundraising events. And Scott's been at it almost identical to me as far as how long. I started in 91. I think he was right about the same time. We met each other maybe two or three years after that. But he talks about, you know, when you don't want to travel or don't want to have to travel, how do you go about putting on shows in your own area, connecting with local celebrities and and local people who are getting things done, and putting on shows that benefit people in your community? That's the way to go, right? So Scott Long has a great episode where he covered that. And then, you know, of course, all those things are important. I think those are the most important things. But I realize some of you just want to know how to get famous or what it's like to have some fame or have some success. And we've definitely had a lot of podcast guests who shared their experiences on late night TV. You know, we have uh, as far as just getting on David Letterman and what that was like, Ross Bennett, Andy Hendrickson, Jeff Caldwell, who else? Keith Alberstadt. All of them have been on the podcast, and if you want to know what it was like to get on that show and how they prepared and what Dave was like, check out those episodes. And again, I'll link to all of these. Dusty Slay moved to Nashville a few years ago, and I noticed he was moving and shaking and got him on the podcast just slightly shortly after he got on Jimmy Kimmel, which was uh, you know, his first late night spot. Is a little awkward the way they do Kimmel comics, and we kind of talked about that and what it was like you know, not being in the same studio as the show and they do it to like this side room and all this stuff. And you know, he talked about the challenge and the reward of doing that. And then blink of the eye, all of a sudden he's been on Jimmy Fallon tonight's show a couple times, was on the Grand Old Opry a couple times, just crushing it. But a very humble guy, gives lots of insight. Uh, you definitely want to listen to his episode if you haven't. Dusty's a funny guy. Nate Bergazzi is another one who's hitting it on high levels right now. He's had... Uh, two things on Netflix. He was part of a special where they kind of shared uh, the stage. I think it was called The Stand-Ups, and there was three or four, maybe five comics on that. And then he had his full-blown Netflix special. 
uh, this past year, and it was really well received, and now he's already working on his next special, just crushing it. But he's on episode 74 if you want to check him out. Uh, Nate's a great guy, and he talks a little bit about how to acknowledge the audience. A lot of comics get right into it sometimes, but just taking a little bit of time to look around, let the people know you see them, and then starting the show. It's not downtime, that's connection time, and that's one thing I learned from Nate that's helped me tremendously when I do corporate events in places where I think i got to get to the laugh really quick. Really, I have to get to the connection really quick, then the laughs happen. Uh, If you like America's Got Talent, I know some of us love, hate it, but Bowen Hampton and Max Winfrey both have been on the show, both talk about their experiences, the behind the scenes, why it's not just who's the funniest or most talented. There's a lot more to that show because it is a show. It is a TV thing where they cast different types, and that is part of the process. They talk about that. No bitterness from either one from not winning, but they both did really well on the show, and they talk about how that happened. You know, I also think about, oh, I'm just looking through the episodes here. John Christ joined us a while back, and he had just started kind of getting some traction with his videos and his Facebook post of, you know, those videos where it's a smash edit, taking on one topic or one character and, and blowing through it really hard for 90 seconds or so. And then the next thing I know, I look up and he's not only got videos like that, he's touring the country, you know, headlining his own tour across the country and bringing in other podcast guests that we've had like Mike Goodwin and Dustin Nickerson along for the ride. You know, and Dustin Nickerson was just on a Kevin Hart thing that's uh, kind of catching catching a little bit of speed right now. And, and you know, pray for Kevin Hart, man. Broke, uh, fractured his spine a little bit. Eey, be careful who you're riding with, right? So John Chris doing well. You can learn more about him on his episode. You know, Carrie Pomerale, she's been on twice. Uh, the first time she talked about, you know, she had more than a, several dozen appearances on Jay Leno's Tonight Show doing different pieces for him. And then the most recent episode, 192, she talked about writing and selling scripts. Uh, she sold two scripts to the Hallmark Channel, and she's done some other stuff as well that's super important. And all these people have success in different arenas. I and mean, we're talking about TV. We're talking about touring on your own. We're talking about Netflix specials. And this podcast gives you some insight and gives me insight into how that process works and is it something I can do or what can I take from that process, even if I don't pursue that goal, that can help me in my comedy. And that's what I'm getting out of this show. And, you know, there's been a recent phenomenon called dry bar comedy. If you're on Facebook, for sure, you know all about this. And if you don't, you're probably just not connected to clean comics. (laughs) Because if you know any clean comics, they talk about it and you're in their feed, they're in your feed, and these little dry bar comedy clips pop in your feed. But several guests on the podcast have had nice results and increased opportunities from those dry bar tapings. You know, Jeff Allen has over 100 million Facebook video views of his material. And that's that's pretty incredible. And Jeff was a guy who was, you know, doing churches, doing corporate events, a few clubs here and there, and all of a sudden this resurgence has really helped him get back into headlining his own nights on comedy clubs where they're doing, you know, an off night and they give it to him and he's selling it out. And that's the power of the social media stuff we have. Dry Bar Comedy took advantage of that probably better than anybody I've seen. I see other video groups trying to do something like that, but right now Dry Bar Comedy owns that space and who knows how long that'll last or how long Dry Bar Comedy will last because VidAngel, the parent company, is in some lawsuits right now. But for the time being, at least Dry Bar Comedy having some positive impact. 
you know, I got to do a dry bar special. I haven't really talked too much about it. We'll probably do that in a future episode. And we have some other comics who are going to talk about their experience with dry bar uh, down the pike. But again, former podcast guests like Andy Beningo, Lisa Mills, Robert Mack, Tony Deo, Bone Hampton, Taylor Mason have either taped or on cue to tape a uh, dry bar special. And hey, special shout out to former student Lee Harden, whose episode just released a little while ago. And last time I checked, he was well over half a million views on one of his clips. And I'm sure uh, he'll probably hit a million with, with all the clips they released. Nice stuff from him. And again, more podcast guests who are in the pipeline for a dry bar special as we speak. In fact, three of them, John Branion, Robert G. Lee, and Marty Simpson, all recording on the same night, which if you're in that audience, you are lucky. Those are three incredible performers. But as I think about those three, the writing really, really jumps out. John Branion has been on the podcast multiple times. We've even done writing challenges where we kind of spitball and brainstorm some ideas and then we go do them on stage and come back and listen to the recording and see how we did it. Robert G. Lee, who is out there in Hollywood, he is an audience warm-up for different shows. He's, I mean, he's done that a lot. But he also gave us an episode where he talked about crowd work, what he's learned from doing audience warm-up and how he works these crowd work bits into keeping people entertained and engaged, as well as screenwriting. He's written and released a movie on his own. Pretty incredible. So Robert G. Lee. And then, of course, Marty Simpson. If you don't know Marty, he runs Punchlines in Pajamas, Pajamas, Tomatoes, Tomatoes, which happens uh, very frequently online. So you can do an open mic without leaving the house. Look up Punchlines in Pajamas or Marty Simpson or simply click the link in the show notes that I'll provide to you, not only on the website, but there'll be a PDF you can request and you'll have information on how to click and learn more about these episodes I'm telling you about. But these are just some of the 200 episodes and some of the people I've learned from and learned about from doing this podcast. You know, maybe maybe you're just getting started in comedy. Maybe this is the first podcast of mine you've listened to or first podcast about comedy, and it's just barely on your radar, but you see comics everywhere, and you're thinking, how do I start? Where do I start? What is an open mic all about? Why is it called an open mic? The microphone is perfectly intact, right? <laughs> We've got episodes and blog posts galore for you at schooloflast.com. You know, even if you're a year into it and you're wondering how to get booked at a comedy club, just go to schooloflast.com. There's a search bar on the website. You click that with any topic that you want to learn more about and all the podcast and blog posts will pop right up and you click on those, listen, download or read and get, get off to the right start in comedy, get off on the right foot, if you will. You know, maybe you've been doing it for a while and you're like, man, some clubs I can get into, some clubs I can't. <sighs> What's the process? How do club managers think? You want to check out episode 146 with Lucy, who books comedians at Zanies in Nashville. She was very gracious with her insight and her time and gave point blank, honest answers into some of the questions you're probably asking, not just about Zanies in general, but how do you get involved with your local comedy club? You definitely want to check out episode 146, but maybe... Maybe you've performed at Comedy Club for a while and you're ready to try something different. We've got you covered there, too. We've dug deep into the niches to find you riches. You know, if you're curious about the college market, performing at colleges and universities across the world, you should listen to the incredibly insightful and tip-driven interview with Chuck Johnson of Summit Comedy, Inc. That's episode 149. Chuck has the strongest 
college comic roster in the business, and he is constantly getting those comics opportunities, showcases at NACA, which you'll learn all about in episode 149. College market, something I did a little bit about, not a lot because I, I was like an old guy early, but Chuck gives us insight into what you should think about if you want to pursue that market. Um, Maybe you want to cruise. Maybe you want to perform and see the world and have somebody make your bed and feed your food. Cruises can do that. You know, I've done some. I talk about them in all these episodes, but I get more insight from Mike James, comic out there in Arizona. How does an Arizona comic do cruises anyway? I should have asked him that. How do you get from a landlocked Arizona on a cruise ship? Anyway, Mike James, Dale Jones, Mark Klein, they all shed light on how the cruise industry works for comedians. And if you're really, really into that, uh, we're soon going to have an episode with Tommy Drake, whose dry bar is get, getting ready to release. But he also talks about how he prepares for and entertains on cruise ships. He does over 400 shows a year and has done that for over 20 years. Did you hear what I just said there? <laughs> Tommy Drake, 400 shows a year, over 20 years. And he's going to be on an upcoming episode because I know you, just like me, would like to learn how do you do that? How do you prepare for performing multiple times for the same audience? Not many of us think about that because we don't have to, right? We're at a comedy club or we're doing a corporate event. We see an audience once and they're gone. Next audience shows up, we do the same show. What happens when you've got the same people coming to multiple shows? You have to structure things differently. You have to generate a lot of material. Tommy goes all into that, uh, you know, and that'll be again on an upcoming episode pretty soon if you're into that cruise comedy stuff. All right. Maybe you're like me. You spend a lot of your time performing for corporate audiences. We've got blogs, two different blogs and how you pursue that or if you're ready for that. Episode 181 has you covered as well. And if you want an agency's perspective on how to get pitched to the corporate market, you definitely and, and really, even if you don't worry about corporate, this is goes for anybody that wants to know how agencies work. You've got to listen to these. Jamison Yoder from Funny Business Agency is on episode 142. He talks not only about what he expects and what clients expect in the corporate market, but he talks about Laugh Fest, the big, huge, one of my favorites comedy festivals in the country, and what they do to put that on in conjunction with Gilda's Club to raise money for those folks going through some tough times up there in Grand Rapids. Episode 142 there with Jamison Yoder, you got to check it out. Tim Grable from the Grable Group, he books a lot of corporate events every year. He gives insight on what he looks for and what his clients are looking for in episode 78. And just a couple of weeks ago, Larry Weaver, who runs Trusted Speakers Agency, he dug really deep into tips for us on episode 199. You know, what he looks for, but also what other corporate event planners are looking for. Because, you know, he doesn't book a specific gigs. He pitches comics to clients who are looking for comedians for their gig. He talks about all that in his episode. You would think that's enough, right? How much did we just cover there? We've covered a ton. But maybe, maybe you've done all that and now you've got content and you want to record something to sell, make some money off your talent. You've, you're like a farmer harvesting these jokes, as Jim Gaffigan says. And when you harvest them, you've got to sell them at the market. So how do you do that? We talked to Jeremy Rochford a while back at Disc Makers about whether you should go with a physical CD or a DVD or just a digital download so people can press a button, give you a few bucks and get it as soon as they want. We talk in depth about that. Maybe you're a musical comedian 
I'm kind of a hybrid. I'm, I would say 80% stand-up, 20% musical comedy and, and my full shows. But I've recorded nine CDs and sold all nine CDs. Actually, more than nine. I've sold nine different. <laughs> ah, nine different times I recorded CDs, and I've sold all of those. I've sold thousands of each of those. But every time I have to consider, how do I know this is quality? How do I know what it's going to sound like on the other end? And if, especially if you're a musical comedian, uh, you'll want to listen to Nathan Meckel, who I worked with on many CDs. Actually, my best, all of the ones he worked on are my best selling, probably because they're the best sounding. And we talk about how to choose a producer for your projects. And then once you get that recording made, you're going to wake some want to make some. Blah, blah. And once you get recordings, you want to have exposure. And one great exposure uh, platform is Sirius XM Radio with their multiple comedy channels. I've lost track of how many they have between Raw Dog, Laugh USA, Jeff and Larry's Comedy Roundup, Netflix is a Joke, Comedy Central. Lots of different options for getting played. But you have to have uh, CD or digital files sent in to SiriusXM. We talk about that in a very early episode. It was one of the first five, I believe. And we're probably going to do a follow-up to that one here pretty soon with a record label that I use. But you have to make sure you get paid when you get played. And we covered that in episode 48. Does Sound Exchange have money for you? You know, if it wasn't for Sound Exchange, uh, my life would be much different. I would not be doing the podcast. I would not be able to pursue different opportunities because the royalties that come in through that play on SiriusXM is substantial. Uh, it helped me get through a period of, helped my family get through a period of time where my wife stayed home with our first child for three years. I was a sole provider. And then again, for several years, I was a sole provider for the family. But because I had made product and because I had released it, and especially because I had signed up with SoundExchange, I was compensated for those recordings, and that money was plenty enough to offset my wife taking off from work for several years. So I hope I got your attention there. If you're not recording and releasing and chasing down your royalties through Sound Exchange, you're not. It's going to be a tough journey, to be honest. You need to have multiple revenue streams, and uh, and Sound Exchange and SiriusXM and and digital downloads. Those are all ways you can make money while you're asleep. Who doesn't want to do that? Man, are you starting to get the idea here? It's been a journey. 200 episodes is a lot. And this podcast, it's kind of like a little comedy university in your ears. You know, if you've learned half as much as I have, heck, if you've implemented 1%, half of 1% of what I've learned on the show, you're in a better place than you were when you started listening. And I, I thank you for being along on the entire journey with us. So we'll keep on going on and, and getting into this never-ending journey of stand-up comedy and as we move forward, who knows what else we're going to learn, you know? I've enjoyed the process, and I really want to take another second to thank our Patreon supporters who have made this all possible. You know, they they hear it, they apply, they see the value in the podcast, they donate a monthly gift of their choosing to make it happen, and I thank all of the Patreon supporters. If you're one of those, you know I appreciate you, and thank you for that. And, of course, I'd like to especially thank the Club 52 Patreon supporters who take care of the podcast through a donation of $7 or more a month. And we have a great time, the Club 52 folks and I. We have a quarterly hangout where we run kind of a mini mastermind. We go over successes and struggles, as well as discuss strategies for getting over the next hurdle. 
it's always a great time and we record each one. So those who can't make it live, they can download it and listen to it just like another podcast or watch it if it's up on the Zoom video uh, feed. And they can benefit from the conversation still, even if they weren't able to make it live. In fact, if you're one of those Club 52 members, our next quarterly hangout is slated for October 5th at 10 a.m. Central Time. You'll get a reminder through email and uh, a day before and then the invitation that morning to join us as we discuss what's going on in your comedy career. Uh, Club 52 members also get the weekly email. They get a specific actionable task to make them bigger, better, and more bookable. If you found value in these 200 episodes and would like to join Club 52, uh, you can do that. Like I say, $7 a month or more, you get the 52 emails, one each week. You get the quarterly hangout, and you have my ear. I always help the people who are in Club 52 above and beyond uh, anybody else. So thanks again to all those folks that are doing it already. If you're interested in doing that, schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N will tell you more about it and how you can go about signing up. Anyway, those are things you can do to help out the podcast. Back to how the podcast can help you. Um, if you're starting to get paid gigs outside of comedy clubs, you might want to check out episode 10 about writing up contracts that give you a template you can go through and tweak for your own personal needs. But you need to have a contract anytime you do a gig outside of a club. Clubs typically will not issue a contract. The email correspondence is the best you have for that situation. But if you're in the niches, you need a contract. Uh, I have a great episode on creating a set list that flows. That's episode 28. You might have 50 jokes, but if you don't put them in the right order, none of them really work that great. But in the correct order, you can crush with those jokes. So knowing why and how and where to put things is really important. Episode 28 will take care of that. I know some folks have stage fright. So we addressed that in episode 54, Overcoming Stage Fright. And the reason that they have stage fright is they're afraid of bombing. Well, I talk about how to bounce back after bombing in episode 62. So we got you covered. If you're afraid to perform, boom, we got you. If you're afraid of bombing or you have, we got you there too. And I will just say the most requested item from the podcast from the 200 episodes are the multiple times uh, the beginning of each year where we issue out the goals tracker, the annual goals tracker. The most recent episode that covered that was episode 183. You can listen to that, and afterwards, simply shoot me an email again and and request the goals tracker for you, no matter what time of the year you're at. If you don't have goals down on paper, this is the time to start. So if you're hearing this in the middle of September, go ahead and shoot me an email. I'll get that to you. And really, what I would love to know is what you have learned from the podcast. I would love you to shoot me an email or hit me up on Twitter. It's at School of Laughs. It's always interesting for me to hear what different folks pull from the episodes because sometimes you'll hear it completely different than the way I heard it and pick up a tip that I completely missed because I was in the interview and I was in the moment, but maybe I wasn't thinking about it in the same moment that you did. So I'd love to hear some of the best pieces of advice you've learned from our guest on the show and how you've applied those things. And then I will probably try to share some of those in the next couple of episodes just to kind of find out what you guys have picked up from the first 200. I know it's a lot that we have picked up and I just want to hit a couple of things that I've learned before I release you guys today. Uh, One, and probably the biggest thing I've learned, is that there is no single way to pursue this profession. There's a lot of different angles, a lot of different roads, no comics, as many comics as there are, no comics take the same two roads. 
to getting to success. So for some, it is a dream and it remains elusive. And for others, it's a destiny and nothing can stand in the way. But one thing is clear. Every single person who pursues stand-up comedy has, and this is important, has to sacrifice something else in order to do this correctly. That isn't easy to hear, uh, but it's true. You can't add this dream on top of everything else that you're doing because you won't have time to do it right. You have to get clear about what you will give up to gain momentum. That is an easy conversation to have with yourself or your spouse or your kids or your boss, but it is a reality. You know, what are you currently doing that you're willing to set aside so you can get serious about getting better at comedy? And for me, it's been different things at different points in my career, just to kind of give you an insight into what you might be up against and what you might need to consider. You know, when I first started, I gave up the security of a weekly paycheck, healthcare, and potential for advancement within this company I was working for, Simon & Schuster. Now, granted, it was a small paycheck, and it was basic healthcare, and there was some potential for advancement. But I was in my early 20s. I had no responsibilities other than really paying off my student loan rent and a truck payment and my rent was too high so I adjusted that by moving in with two other comedians to make that feasible so I gave up a little bit more than just my job I gave up uh, a better apartment to have a better situation to get into comedy then later on you know I I did comedy clubs and stuff like that for many years before I met my future wife and when I got married I decided not to sacrifice my marriage for comedy it became really obvious to me that you know, I wanted to spend time with my wife, so I sacrificed being a road comic. I'd worked all these years to become a comic who was working and headlining comedy clubs, and then I was like perfectly okay, actually, with walking away from doing 300 days a year out of town so I could be more of a husband. And I was totally, totally fine to do that. For me, that transition looked like getting into corporate comedy, where I performed for companies and fundraisers instead of people at a comedy club, still doing my thing my way, but it turned out I was perfectly suited for that niche, and my quality of life went up, actually, and my stability and income all went up because the pay was better, but it wasn't exactly easy on the ego for me to think about, oh man, I worked so hard to become a comedian, and I'm just getting the traction I need, I want to be a household name, but the key to me was to be a name in my own household. And then to be comedy man to anybody else, that was secondary. So even though it was a better situation for me across the board, my mental preparation for that was how do I look at my calendar and not be gone 300 days a year? How will 120 days look better than 300? Well, when those 120 dates are better than those 300 dates you are working, overall, it's easy to do. But it wasn't easy at first. Then the next challenge came along. When I had my first kid, 2005, my son Wyatt was born and I was like, man, I don't even be gone 120 days a year. That's too much. And I had to sacrifice a few other things. And for me, that was uh, doing gigs on cruises where I'd be gone for a couple of weeks at a time. You know, even those fun gigs and I enjoyed doing them. Uh, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do to, to leave my family behind for two weeks. So I found other options. I cranked up the uh, marketing and learned how to do that better for my corporate event so that I could pick and choose places that I wanted to go instead of being out for two weeks. And guess what? I benefited. My son benefited. The family benefited. But it was a sacrifice. Again, there were things I wanted to do, but I had to rearrange the way I did it 
in order to make it happen. Then another big change came in 2008 when I rededicated my life to Christ. I knew that uh, some of these jokes I'm telling aren't truly reflective of who I was. They were just jokes I was telling to get a reaction from a certain type of person in the audience. And even though I was doing corporate events, it wasn't really, you know, there was nothing dirty or filthy. It was just like topic matter that probably wasn't really reflective of what I should be doing anyway in a corporate event situation, but also it wasn't reflective of who I was on the inside and in my day-to-day life. So a big sacrifice came at not selling this t-shirt I was selling. I was selling a t-shirt. It wasn't completely inappropriate, but it wasn't in line or authentic with myself. And the t-shirt generated, oh man, it was like $30,000 a year in income. And I knew I had to give up that t-shirt completely. I'd kind of phased it out a bit at that point, but I really knew stop doing the bit, stop selling the shirt and uh, move on. And it was tricky. It was a little scary, but God provided for sure. And that December, I more than made up for that loss of income in doing corporate events and fundraisers and church events. And none of those opportunities would have presented themselves had I still been selling a shirt that wasn't really reflective of who I was. So I learned at that point to be authentic uh, every day on stage and off. And that those aligning of those values really have uh, have have been a good thing for me. I'll say that a hundred percent. And if you're in one of those situations where you're considering, should I stop doing something, but Hey, it's making me some money or should I stop doing that? But I'm having fun. Just ask yourself, is it the right thing for you to be doing at this point in your career? And if it's not make some changes, sacrifice that, but you'll gain on the other side with new experiences and new opportunities. So in short, I always put, put your values first to money second, and usually they'll take care of each other. You know, there's been other sacrifices for comedy over the years, uh, joining organizations and serving a board of directors and those kinds of things that took a lot of time away from my focus on specific comedy goals. But those sacrifices always paid off. Uh, not that I was trying to do them just for the payoff. Honestly, it was the opposite. I was, I was not worried about the payoff. And the payoff was always huge um, as far as opportunities and ways I can serve. So if you're thinking about becoming part of an organization or doing something other than comedy while you're doing comedy, it's not always a bad thing. Once you have sacrificed things to be a comedian, you can sometimes sacrifice being a comedian to do other things for other people. So that's another lesson I learned in this comedy journey. You know, this, uh, this podcast itself, the comedy classes that I teach, uh, being a member of the Christian Comedy Association, past president, all those things took a lot of time and still do. But part of what I've realized after doing this for almost 30 years is that it's so that I can share those experiences with people who haven't been there yet and are on their way. So just think when you set your goals, such as filling your calendar or getting a TV spot or signing with an agency, ask yourself why. This is actually important. If the answer is always money, it's probably going to be frustrating. But if you set your goals to become a better communicator so you can help others laugh or heal or look inward to consider things in a new way, then you will always be heading down a rewarding path. It may not always be visible to those around you, but it will be noticeable within those that you help. So I know this can be the most, <laughs> this is the least funny podcast you'll ever listen to about comedy, but uh, maybe that's my niche. You know, maybe my niche is getting serious with you guys for a second so you can realize that you have extreme opportunities and responsibility with becoming a comic. You know, maybe this shouldn't even be a comedy co- podcast. It should be listening or self-help, but 
Either way, if we aren't helping others with our talents, it's pretty shallow and useless. So prioritize what's most important, set goals accordingly, and realize there will be a sacrifice at some point, somewhere. All right, so I guess moving forward, what's on the horizon for the School of Laughs? Uh, I'll just tell you some things that are coming up soon, and then uh, I'll let you go. Thanks for listening this long, by the way, if you have. Um, One thing I'm really, really excited about, first week of January 2020, I'll be offering a brand new day-and-a-half workshop, comedy workshop for speakers and content creators who want to add confidence and comedy to their programs. So this will only be available to those people who have a speech that's an hour plus, that have a training program or a keynote, or maybe you're blogging or you're doing a YouTube video every single week. People that have consistent content that they want to punch up and add comedy to, I'm going to help you do that. Now, stand-ups, if you're listening and this sounds like something you want to take on, you'll definitely benefit. But the focus is going to be helping speakers and content creators add comedy to specific parts of their presentations and programs so that you get a better reaction from your audience so that you get more bookable because people liked the time you spent with them. And overall, it'll help your bottom line. Uh, The class, the course, the workshop, whatever you want to call it, it'll meet in Nashville. I'll have more details and the exact dates coming up soon, but we're looking at January, the first week. I'm really excited about it. It's called the Master Laughter Class. And if you're interested in that, right now you're listening and you want more details as they become available, just shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com, and put Master Laughter Class in the subject line. I'll get you some more details as I get them locked in. September 21st, I'm offering the Business of Comedy class here in Nashville from 1230 to 3.30 p.m., close to downtown. Uh, the investment on that is 99 bucks, and if that sounds like something you want to be interested in and you want more information, again, shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Put business class in the subject line. I'll send more information your way. All right, that's going to do it. Again, you can get a transcript of this episode with clickable links to every single episode I mentioned just by sending me an email to that same email address and put episode 200 transcript in the subject line. And while you do that, go ahead and let me know something you've learned from the podcast, where you are physically and mentally and successfully in your comedy journey, and maybe what podcast episode had the biggest effect or impact on your career. I would love to hear from you. School of Last at gmail.com. Take care, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks with the next episode. It's going to be a strong one. You want to be, be sure to download that sucker. Stay safe out there and stay funny. listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit schooloflaughs.com until next time stay tuned stay focused and stay money